I will be speaking on the subject of blessing in Christ alone. Blessing in Christ alone, focusing on Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 27, and Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38, specifically verses 34 and 35. In the book of Numbers, it is filled with uh, beautiful gems of Scripture. Uh, and yet at the same time, it's the book of Numbers. And, uh, you know, you hear people say that numbers don't matter. Well, God wrote an entire book on numbers. I remember once when I was a brand new pastor, I mean like two months in, taking a bunch of students to a camp in Oklahoma, and uh, we were all laying in bed at night, and they just wouldn't go to sleep. And I was a brand new, I was their brand new pastor, and I said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read a bedtime story. I want all of you to be quiet. And I began to read the book of Numbers, and it wasn't long before they were all asleep. And so I know Numbers is, is a book of Numbers, but they do matter to God. But within it is this magnificent passage called the Aaronic Blessing, the Blessing of Aaron. And I want to show you how what it means from back then, but how it applies to us today as, a bless, as the blessing in Christ alone. And so beginning in Numbers chapter 6, we want to look at verse 22. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put My name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. That is truly one of the most wonderful gems of Scripture in all of the Bible. And as noted, it is a blessing of the Lord with which Aaron and his sons were to bless the children of Israel. Aaron and his sons made up the priesthood of Israel, as you recall at that time. And therefore this passage has often been called the priestly blessing and also the Aaronic, the Aaronic benediction. The Aaronic benediction. In this passage, we believe we learn some things about the Lord which uh, just are as true today as they were then. And even though we do not live under the old covenant, we don't live under the, the law uh, with its Aaronic priesthood. Uh, we do have a high priest, as it's mentioned in the book of Hebrews, who desires to bless us just as richly and, in fact, much more. And so to understand what I'm talking about and to help us understand this text, I want to look perhaps at this blessing that God's people treasure these words. God's people treasure these words for they have been used in worship under the Old Covenant as well as the New. Unfortunately, because these words are so familiar, because they're used so often, it's, it's sadly easy to miss their theological depth. And uh, structurally is where I want to begin. I want to share with you something that is fascinating about this blessing if you look at it in the Hebrew language. Structurally, much can be said of this blessing. If you were to remove the three instances of the words, the Lord, in the Aaronic blessing in Hebrew, it's Yahweh. So it is the holy name of God. It is the holy name, the very personal, 
name of God, the name that, that some would not even write. If you remove those three references to the Lord in Hebrew, then you would be left with only 12 words in Hebrew. Now there's more than that in the English, so please don't confuse what I'm saying. In the Hebrew, if you remove the name, the Lord, then all there is in the Hebrew are 12 words. Just 12 words. And you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because that's an, I'm, I'm certain that is, origin, that is an original reference to the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, and furthermore, the threefold repetition of the Lord, the threefold repetition of the name Yahweh is not required. Here's why I, I want to tell you that. Because saying it one time would suffice. Saying the name of God one time would suffice. That's, that's plenty. But uh, in fact, uh, the Lord has His priests repeat His name to emphasize that He is the source of all goodness and life. In fact, look in your Bible with me over at James 1.17. If you care to or write it down, I'm going to turn there. Um, James 1.17. I have a different Bible this morning and um, my pages are stuck together. It's a little humid outside, James 1.17, and it says this, Every good gift, now listen, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. We, we from some of our, that grew up singing hymns in our, in our, in our uh, churches, we sang the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And it talks about there is no shadow of turning in thee. Everything comes from the Father. Everything that is good, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. It's interesting that at the end of the Scriptures you see where we'll cry, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. It would only take one time to mention His name. I kind of think that the fact that the Lord is mentioned three times in the Aaronic blessing, this is, this is off notes, but in my own mind, as I think about the triune God that we worship, every time I think they're saying the Lord, I think it is literally a, a, a Trinitarian reference. Now they didn't know it, but we know it because we have the illumination of the New Testament. And so... Uh, um, I'm quite sure someone's written a dissertation on that or a book about it, but uh, one time in the name of the Lord is enough, but how much more the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. One of the good things about this uh, peace, just speaking of this briefly before we do an exposition of the text, but of this peace which this scripture refers to is far more than just the cessation of conflict, just the ceasing of conflict. It includes, now listen, this concept of peace is, is Irene in the Greek, and it means to weave together like a basket. And so what you have is in this concept of peace, the Hebrew mind would have understood this word shalom as prosperity, 
children, security, and land, happiness, health, and a host of other good things. Do you know how I know that? Because it's in the Bible. Go over here to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28, it's to the right. Deuteronomy chapter 28, I want to read this passage to you, beginning in verse 1. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments, which I have commanded you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Boy, what a word for today. Blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the country, blessed shall be the fruit of your body and produce and the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your baskets and your kneading bowls. Blessed shall you have shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one one way and flee before you seven ways. In other words, they'll be scattered. The Lord will command the blessings on you in your storehouses and in all the which you set your hand, and He will bless you in the land which the Lord has, God has given to you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to Himself, just as He has sworn to you. If you keep His commandments of the Lord, your God, and walk in His ways, then all the people of the earth shall see you and be... And, so she, you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of good, and the fruit of your body, and the increase of your livestock, and the produce of your ground, and the land in which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you His good treasures of heaven, and give the rain to your land in its season. And to bless all the works of your hand you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above, not, you shall be above only and not beneath if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them, so that you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods and serve them." Write that down and burn that into your heart. I would encourage you to take that passage, Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, and sit down sometime today and out loud read that to the Lord as a prayer. In fact, I would encourage you to do something else. I, I have a prayer group on Monday night that we meet on the phone, and, and we're going to share a little bit uh, of this tomorrow night. Right now, wherever you are and, and whatever you're seeing, whether you're joining us from overseas or you're here in the United States, I want you to write down the things that you're afraid of the most. Uh, you know, with recent events that have happened, write down, put word, pen to paper, and write down what you fear the most, okay? Write that down, and then this is what I want you to do. This is pastoral. I want you to pray the opposite. I want you to pray the opposite. Begin asking the Lord to do the opposite of what you're very afraid of. And now, partner it with Deuteronomy 28, 1-14. Whoo! What a truth. And so when you, listen, that's all tied up in that word peace that's in this text. And I haven't even exposited the text yet, but we're going to do that now. 
So God wants you, the emphasis of the Lord as the source of all these things as noted above is a very powerful truth. It's not a hope so, friend. It's a I know so. Because God said so. Because God said so. Basically, He says, my people, when you enjoy health, remember that my grace has given it to you. When you succeed, do not forget me. I am its source. Recall that no good gift is possible without me. That's, that's James 1.17, a fulfillment of Deuteronomy 28, 1-14. And it goes all the way back right here to number 6, 24-27. The ironic blessing. One of my dear departed brothers turns to the ironic blessing and as an expression of hope he says that is for the Lord's chosen. It is for those whom God has called to believe, those who are in Christ. As He shines His smile upon us, He, he, he one day says in this text that the Lord's chosen, as He says in this text, and the Lord lift up, well, and the Lord make His face to shine upon you. Dear friend, that is the greatest consolation of the chosen in God's uh, atmosphere of belief, one day we shall see God as He is face to face. That is a promise to us. That is the that is the it, that is the uh, summit of this passage. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. Those of us that are in Christ. We who as the body call, as the Bible calls the Lord's chosen, one day shall see His face because our supreme longing is to experience the beatif, beatif I'm sorry, the vision, the vision uh, to see the Lord face to face as He shines His smile upon us. Can you imagine what that day will be? To see Him smile at you. Because he said he would. Isn't that something? That is something. Another departed brother says, Nothing is more desirable for the consummation of our happiness than that we should behold the, the serene, the serene countenance of God. One day we shall behold him. We shall behold him as he is. But one man whom probably many of you have a commentary of his on your shelf. It's a source of great teaching and inspiration. It's a devotional commentary. If you don't have it, I would invite you to look for one. You can get them on, online easy. But it's Matthew Henry's commentary. And Matthew Henry says this, We may take the blessing of Numbers chapter 6 and insert our names in it in each place. The Lord bless you, James, and keep you, James. The Lord make His face to shine upon you, Jean, and be gracious unto you, Jean. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you, Londa, and give you peace. Isn't that amazing? You can insert your name there where the you is. And that's exactly what it's meant to do for those of us in Christ. Think about the Lord our God, the Creator of all that is seen and unseen, seeks to bless His people. Everything good that comes 
your way comes from His hand, and one day all that Christ, all that is in Christ, all of us that are in Christ will enjoy the splendor of His face. And so don't doubt the Lord's desire to bless you and to tell you and to tell others that His blessing is available to them in Christ Jesus. It is the blessing in Christ alone. It is the blessing in Christ alone. There is no other blessing. So let's talk about it as in its definition. So number one, the priestly blessing defined. The Lord bless you and keep you. Just briefly, the word bless means to confer well-being or prosperity upon you. The promise of such blessing is conditional. We saw it in verses Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 6, when he says over and over, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make your cat, cattle fat. You're going to have the biggest cantaloupe in the field. You're never going to run out of flour. You're going to have the puffiest bread and the, and the flakiest crust. You're going to have a wonderful children. You're going to have great health, all of these things. And he talks about that in that Deuteronomy passage, and Moses being the chief lawgiver. But Moses makes it very clear under the inspiration of the Spirit that we must obey the commands of the Lord. So it is a conditional blessing for those that received it in the Old Testament days. It is a conditional blessing. You have to obey the Lord. In the, in the day of the Old Covenant, that was the way it was. And the, and the failure to meet God's condition brought about the curse. Go back over to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And, you know, unfortunately there's some bad news, but we have to prove the point. And so he says in verse 14, he says in Deuteronomy 28, So you shall not turn aside from any of the words that I command you this day to the right or to the left to go to any other God and serve them. And then he says this in verses 15 through 19. Again, it's a conditional promise under the Old Covenant. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments and His statutes which I command you today, and that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, cursed shall you be in the country. You're not going to be able to hide. Cursed shall you be, cursed shall be your baskets and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall be, cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke, and all you set your hand to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doing, for you have forsaken me. I'm glad we live under the new covenant. But in the old covenant, that is the way the law was written. So all the blessing came upon them. And when they did not do what God said, the cursing came. And so the word keep, you see the word bless means well-being and prosperity. Then there's this word keep. The Lord bless you and keep you means to provide and to care, to guard and protect. And there's a beautiful psalm on this, Psalm 121. Psalm 121. Psalm 121, the whole psalm, it says, I will lift up my eyes to the hill from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heavens and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who spoke you, he who keeps you, excuse me, 
will not slumber. Behold, he, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil and shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And so what you have is this picture of keeping. It's a beautiful psalm that, uh, saying that we're going to be kept in the care of God. And like a shepherd guarding and providing his sheep, the benediction calls upon God to keep watch over Israel. The Lord bless you and keep you. Then he says, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. To make his face shine may be an idiom. It may be an idiom in indicating God's smile or favor of His people is evidenced by His being gracious to them. Being gracious, that is, remember, graciousness is not counting uh, your guilt against you. It's pardon. That's being gracious, where mercy is lifting you out of misery. Graciousness is lifting you out of guilt. And note how it is used elsewhere. You can write down Psalm 31, verse 16. Note, write down Psalm 31, verse 16, Psalm 80, verse 3, and Daniel 9, 17. To make His face to shine upon you, Psalm 31, 16, 80, verse 3, and Daniel 9, 17. He says to be gracious means to bestow favor, especially that which is unmerited. It is unmerited favor. Grace is God's unmerited favor. The parallelism of the benediction suggests this favor refers to blessing and keeping the Lord, keep, keeping and the Lord's keeping by mention it, of it being mentioned just previously, and perhaps emphasizing that such blessings are unmerited, even though they are conditional. Having read through the Bible, it is very clear to me the blessings are completely unmerited. Having the New Testament, for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God's eternal life. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans. I mean, we learn, we learn about this. And so the reality of it is our blessings are truly unmerited and they are definitely given to us graciously. And uh, so, then it says, "...the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace." To lift up his countenance may be similar to a smile. That if you're reading a believer study Bible, for example, you'll see that there. It means that it's similar to a smile, such as it suggests the pleasure and, and affection God has for you, or, and also approval and recognition, as the Ryrie study Bible would say. But then he comes to this word peace, which I've already spent a little time on. The word peace is not just the absence of war, but a positive state of righteousness and fullness of well-being. For the nations of Israel, God has promised peace if they were faithful. Look over here at Leviticus. Leviticus. You'll go back to the left. Leviticus chapter 26. Only a couple pages. Leviticus chapter 26. Verse 6 says, I will give you peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts, and the sword will not go through your land. Okay? There was also peace for the individual who trusted God. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah 
chapter 26. Go to the middle of your Bible and you'll find Psalms. Okay? And then go to the right in a few books and you'll find Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah 26. The Bible says in verse 3, right here, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Dear friends, I could, <laughs> I know you know this is, a, this is a truth we must all just apply to our life uh, wherever we are. He says, you will keep him in perfect peace. Not, you know, Jesus says, I give you my peace, not as the world gives, but as only I can give. The only peace Jesus gives is perfect peace. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. There's even a song about that in the hymn book, Stayed Upon Jehovah. And uh, we need to keep our mind upon the Lord. That is where peace will come. It's, it, it, I, I am like you. I, I want to know what's going on in the world around me. I want to know what's, what's taking place. And I want to know why these and that and who and where and when and how and what, all of those things. But I can tell you, I, I saw this video the other day, or a cartoon. And this, this man was sitting in front of his television. And it, it was obviously, it was some kind of news channel and, and he said to his wife, I just wish I could have some peace. And in the next picture of the, uh, of the cartoon, the next frame, there's the wife holding the plug of the television unplugged from the wall. And she just turned the television off and he had peace. And I, I think that's very relevant to us today as the children of God. And so he says, he says right here, there was going to be peace for the individual who trusted God. And we learn from Isaiah that trusting in God is staying our mind upon Jehovah. It's keeping our minds upon Him, and we will have perfect peace. Now, that God would have Aaron and his sons bless the children of Israel with this benediction indicates that God really wanted to bless and provide for them. The fact that it's recorded in Holy Scripture, written by the Holy Spirit, it's applicable to us today even though it's an Old Covenant blessing. So today, how does God desire to bless us? Well, briefly, I want to give you an, an idea of this as you turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and I want you to see the blessing that Simeon had and gave. Okay? Luke chapter 2, I want you to begin in verse 22, because this is the other part of where we're talking about blessing, singular, blessing in Christ alone. So Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now this is when Mary's days of purification were completed. They brought Jesus to present him at the temple. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. 
And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And say, well, who's that? I'll show you. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The Lord's Christ is the consolation of Israel. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. And he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, the child is destined listen, is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming in that instant she gave thanks to the and coming in that instant she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked on for redemption of Jerusalem. Who was she speaking to? Jesus the baby. So listen, here's what's happening. Again, all those who revealed, or all those who received the Aaronic blessing under the old covenant enjoyed certain blessings, whether or not they had true faith in His promises. Whether they believed it or not, they received it. The condition was obedience, not belief. When God blessed the harvest, Everybody enjoyed it. The abundance of food. Faithfulness and unfaithful alike enjoyed the security that the Lord kept and He fought for the nation of Israel. Whether they were pagans or they were followers of, the, of God, great were the benefits of being a member of the visible covenant community. They enjoyed the blessing because they were part of the community. Yet, yet, in the new heaven and the new earth, the good things that have been spoken of in the Aaronic blessing will belong to only those who are in Christ alone. That's why this is the blessing. This is the blessing in Christ alone. As Paul teaches in Romans chapter 9, Verses 6 through 8, not all who are descendants from Israel belong to Israel. Only true Israelites, only true Israelites, those who possess the faith they profess, will finally enjoy the Lord's blessing. One thing is consistent throughout the Scripture, as I understand it. You have the chosen of the Old Testament, and the chosen of the New Testament. In the Old Testament, 
The chosen were those were the obedient Israelites who had faith that was accounted unto them as righteousness. In the New Testament, you have those who were called to believe, those who are the men and women in Christ Jesus who are called to obedience, to believe, and in faith in Jesus Christ. The chosen then for us, when I use the term Israel, that's what we're speaking of, God's people, God's people universally. And uh, we could spend a lot of time on that. Every generation has argued about it since the Bible was written. And uh, we, could, we could take years discussing it. But the reality of it is God's people have always been called by Him, His chosen, and He blesses His chosen people, whether in the Old Covenant or the New Covenant. Um, and so Paul says, not all who are descendants from Israel belong to Israel, only true Israelites those who possess the faith they profess will finally enjoy the Lord's blessing. And this blessing is mediated to the faithful through the Messiah, Jesus. Today's passage tells us about righteous, about righteous Simeon who, has, who was privileged to speak God's Word in favor over the infant Jesus. Can you imagine? Now, now folks have said that we don't have the right to bless other people. Simeon was an 84-year-old man who blessed the Lord Jesus Christ. If a man can bless Jesus, you can bless someone else. He did it in the name of the Lord, and he blessed it on behalf of the Lord. You can do it. There's you a biblical proof right there. As the Father chose kings and heads of His people, Jesus is the, on the one, of, is, is the one on account of whom many in Israel, though, will rise and fall, as it says in Luke 2, 34. The name of Jesus Christ causes many to rise and fall. It, it's no wonder we see this all today. The true identity and destiny of every man will be determined based on his response to the Son of God. He will either rise or he will fall based upon his response to who Jesus is and to Jesus himself. All opposed to him will fall, but all those who receive him gladly, as Simeon shows us, will be shown to be the Father's righteous people, as it says specifically in this passage in verse 22 and 23. Those whose thoughts and hopes are set upon the Creator will, like the prophet Anna, show themselves that they worship the Savior and announce the good news of his arrival. So not only will we express faith in Him, but we will express our faith to the world. Not our faith, but our faith in Him. Not our, just our faith in Him. We will express the Him to which we have our faith in. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The gospel comes by hearing. The, as it says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's no good not shared. We need to share it. It is good, not shared. It's better shared. We're commanded to do it. Christ was and is the only man that ever obeyed the Lord perfectly. And so He alone enjoys the full benefits of peace and, and the smile His Father conveys through the Aaronic blessings spoken of here. He truly is the image of what is being spoken of here in Numbers chapter 6. If you really want to put it in its proper context with Deuteronomy, the blessing of Simeon and the evangelism of Anna when it says you put the name Jesus in there because He has perfectly fulfilled the law. He has perfectly obeyed. He has demonstrated complete perfection 
before the Lord, and he enjoys the full benefit, and he even has the smile of the Father now. And since he was faithful even unto death, as it says in Romans 2, 1, I'm sorry, Philippians 2, 1 through 11, known as the great kenosis, the self-emptying, he was even faithful uh, unto death, death on a cross. Um, Jesus alone is qualified to be the one in whom we find refuge from sin and wrath in order to share in His blessings. He, was, he has taken the place, as Hebrews teaches us in Hebrews chapter 9, He has taken the place of Aaron as our high priest, the high priest of God in order to bless those who trust in God and trust in Him. He is the one who lives to make intercession for us now. His perfect priesthood gives us confidence that the Lord's blessings will come to those with faith. They will come. They may be delayed, but they will come, and come they will. Confidence that was not possible for those who heard the blessing from the lips of sinful priests. We can be confident because it comes from the, work, from the lips of a perfect Savior. And so the Lord bless you indeed means the Lord does desire to bless us. Today those blessings come through Jesus Christ as it says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. They come especially to those that are described in Matthew chapter 5 verses 3 through 12 which are the Beatitudes. Some of you find yourself in this position right now so I want to take the time to read it to you. Matthew chapter 5, some of you have these emotions some of you are having these experiences right now in your life. And so beginning in verse 3, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger for and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who, who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. But there's more. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets that were before you. Those are the Beatitudes. This, this is from the greatest sermon that was ever preached by Jesus Himself on the Sermon of the Mount there on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. And so what do you have here? The Lord desires to bless us and the Lord desires to provide care for us as described by Jesus over here in Matthew 6 verse 25 through 32. Go over there. Jesus is still preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore I say to you in verse 25, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put in it is what you will what you will put on is not your life more than good and body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable? Which of you by worrying can add a cubit to his stature? He goes on, on to say, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, and your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And he says, the Lord bless you and keep you. 
the Lord make His face to shine upon you and give you peace. Isn't that something? That's a blessing for you and I. That's what it says. He says all through here. Look at verse 33 though. Go ahead. He says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So that's the command for us, is to seek the kingdom of God. Are you seeking the kingdom of God in these uncertain days? Seeking the kingdom of God all of a sudden makes the days certain. As it says in Isaiah, as we, we stay our minds upon Him, He gives us perfect peace, as we said earlier. And then He says right here, The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, just as the spiritual blessings come through Jesus, so God's grace is now manifested through His Son, as it says in John 1.17. Yes, God desires to show His smile and His favor on us, but it is imperative that we don't receive it in vain. It's imperative that we don't receive it in vain. Look with me at 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Over here, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 briefly. We then, as workers together with Him who plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for He says, In an acceptable time I have heard you. In the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. Listen, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of blessing. Don't take in vain this grace of God. Grace is, is lifting you out of your guilt. Don't... It's His unmerited favor. Don't take it in vain. Don't brush it off. Don't dismiss it. There's nothing like it. This is God's desire. How sad that God's grace is so freely extended and yet so few accept His grace and live in it. It is a sad thing. And then He says, And the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. It is through Christ that we have peace with God, which is now possible. To have peace with God is proven in Romans 5 verse 1. We can now have peace with God through Christ Jesus. That's why the blessing is in Christ alone. Blessing in Christ alone. And as we continue to pray, God bestows His peace through His Son. As it says, and I want to look at it. I'm, I'm about to do a, a sermon series on it. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. Familiar passage to many of you, I know. Philippians chapter 4. Verses 6 and 7, familiar passage. I'm turning there because I'd like you to consider highlighting it. It says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. I'm kind of seeing a pattern here, aren't you? The blessing that's in Christ alone, it's not only provision, it's not only protection. It's not only providence. It seems to be peace. It seems to be peace. I'm going to have to watch this and write that down because I didn't do that. But that's four Ps, and if I had a poem, I would read it. So in conclusion, we live in a pluralistic and relativistic society. We've been living in this society for a long time. I could add a term to it now. It's called cancel culture cancel culture. The and it pressures us to deny the exclusivity of anything. But particularly, it pressures us to deny the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. 
You can get your social media account canceled real quick if you begin to spout off Jesus is Lord. But I've got news for you. You just keep spouting it because He's still Lord. And uh, there's other means. You know, the best way though to share is to share your faith and your trust in Christ alone is with your neighbor. It was that fella down at the post office, down at the train station, showing mercy to people, being gracious to people at the grocery store. I've even been pulled over once and asked the cop if he knew Jesus. Based on the ticket he gave me, I don't think he did. Maybe he had. I don't know. Maybe he was living under the old covenant. The reality of it is, is that you share Jesus. No one can silence it. And the more you persecute the church, the more the church comes under the threat, the more the real church folk rise up, and the faster the church grows. It's when she lives on Easy Street that she struggles. She begins to take her grace in vain. Well, listen. We don't need to crave to, we don't need to cave to the pressures to affirm other roads to salvation outside of a conscious faith in Jesus. There are no other roads to God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is not under any other name. As it says in the Philippians passage, there is no other name under heaven. It's not any other name. You cannot say that, as, as one guru in India says, that uh, Jesus is, is in all of us. No, He is not. He is calling Jesus some spiritual force that's in His pantheon of gods. No, there is only one name, and it's Jesus Christ at which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess in heaven, on the earth, and below the earth. Every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. There is one way. Consider a time when you had a clear opportunity to affirm that faith in Christ alone is the way of salvation, but you were silent. Think about the time you had the opportunity to extend this blessing, both the blessing of Aaron and the blessing of Simeon and the blessing of Anna, the blessing in Christ alone. When was the last time you had the opportunity to extend it? Well, there's nothing we can do about that, is there? But you're going to have plenty of opportunities today to extend it. Extend it to your family, the blessing of God. Extend it to your loved ones. Extend it to your neighbors and your friends, your co-workers. Repent and meditate on what Jesus said in John 14, 6. John 14, 6. I want you to look at it. As I conclude, he says right here, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I turn there because I want you to mark it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can write out there, see the ironic blessing. See Numbers chapter 6. See Numbers chapter 6. Go to Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 27. And see Luke 2, 22 through 38. Right there where Jesus says this. And then you might say, refer to 
James's message dated 124-21. Consider the time when you had the opportunity to affirm this faith. Repent and meditate on this truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him that you might be prepared when a chance to show yourself faithful comes again. And my friend, it will. And so the only way I know how to leave you this morning is with the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Know that you are loved. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.